Welcome to the Recess Nurse Podcast, elevating emergency nursing one episode at a time. I'm your host, Yunsi Dursa. Hey everyone, Yunsi Dursa here. So first off, I want to thank everyone for listening to the last podcast episode, episode five on Push Those Pressers. Um, Today's episode is a bonus episode uh, regarding the safety of using push dose pressors and just uh, things that we can do to safely administer these uh, medications. So I'm definitely not a powerful Jedi master and I do not have force vision, so I couldn't see in the future. When I had initially researched the push those pressors, a lot of the stuff that ended up coming into light recently in journals Um, did not come up. So, you know, what are you going to do? Just FYI, the the timing was completely coincidental. Uh, I had no idea. There will be another episode next week and I will definitely be switching topics. So uh, although I have been using the push those pressers for years now, I actually still went through and, you know, thoroughly, you know, what I thought was a thoroughly researched topic, but frankly, there wasn't that much out there and there still isn't. And it's because it's really not your general standard of care, um, but I suspect that it will become a standard of care once there are more research um, and RCTs. And we all know that takes a lot of time. So meanwhile, this is a practice that is happening in our emergency departments. And as ED nurses, I feel that we definitely should know about them. So that was the reason why I wanted to talk about push those pressers on this podcast. Um, Nurses, we are going to be the ones that are mixing and preparing the push those pressers. And there's a good chance that we'll also be administering them. So these medications, uh, namely epinephrine and phenylephrine in the ED setting, um, they are extremely potent, and these are medications that should be highly respected when used. So, therefore, it definitely warrants an increased awareness of the entire process, including when to really use them and what safety measures we can use to prevent medication errors. So, let's go over some safety measures, um, and hopefully this will make push those pressers even safer to use. Um, And as new evidence comes out, then we'll present them. So the three main things that I want you guys to take away is number one, how to mix and prepare these push dose pressers. Um, The concentration is going to be key. The second thing I really want you to take away with is that push dose pressers are not to be a replacement of standard therapy. Um, The standard therapy will still be your your continuous uh, vasopressor drips. So if it's faster for you to put on the, you know, to get the drip going because you're more familiar with it, then do that because the key is still to get that vasopressor drip. But um, we'll go into it a little bit more. So the third thing will be communication. And for providers who are listening, uh, communication is going to be key. So there are so many things that can go wrong. So the first thing I want to talk about is, you know, mixing and preparing uh, specifically the epinephrine push dose presser. But, you know, this applies to all medications and uh, mixing phenylephrine as well. 
So let's start with specifically the epinephrine push dose presser. So after I had released my um, last podcast episode, episode five, um, a nurse listener immediately brought to my attention that using pre-filled saline flushes to prepare the epinephrine push dose concentration was bad because it can lead to medication errors. I definitely argue that I didn't see the difference between using a pre-filled saline flush um, versus using like a pre-filled saline bag, um, you know, when you do any mixture. But um, then more reports came and and apparently people have been using um, pre-filled syringes and mixing, but they're not labeling the syringes, which is a big no-no. So I don't know why people are not labeling their syringes, but, um, you know, it's it, it, there's been some reports where, um, you know, people will take an, what they thought was just a plain NS flush syringe and administering it to other patients. Um, and then there's some medication in them. So it may not have always been epinephrine, but, you know, there may have been morphine or rocuronium or something like that. So this definitely gave me a heavy heart. Um, You know, that feeling when you want to puke a little bit. Um, And I hope you all can forgive me. Uh, The last thing I would ever want to do is endorse an unsafe practice or a practice that can lead to even more errors. Um, That being said, I personally will change my own practice to draw up epinephrine in an empty syringe and dilute it to the proper push dose concentration. So that is uh, one ml of the cardiac syringe. There's 10 mls in the cardiac syringe of epinephrine. You draw one ml of that and then um, into an empty syringe, and then you will draw up nine mls of normal saline and then mix it up and make sure you put the label on there. Okay. Um, Just something else. I never let the syringe out of my hands or my eyesight until I have a label that that a proper label secured on the syringe. Um, Epinephrine is just one of those medications that's prone to errors. So, you know, we have to do everything we can to not um, to not make a mistake. And and it's hard. So um, so this is what I do. When I'm mixing these concentrations, I literally don't talk to anyone. And I know it sounds crazy because you have like a lot of things going on. It's chaotic. Literally, I don't talk to anyone and just kind of ignore it. And it's the same process that I use. Like when I'm hanging blood products, I don't talk to anyone because I want to triple ensure that my concentration is on the task that I'm doing and then I'm getting, you know, you know, the nursing one-on-one basics, the right patient, the right blood product or the right medication, the right dosage. Even when, you know, when you're counting your narcotics and your Pixis machine, no one's talking to you. And it's one of those things that a lot of people respect. Your coworkers respect that. And this is one of those situations where if you're mixing these medications, you know, the last thing you want to do is to multitask. This is not the time to multitask. So it takes just a couple of minutes to mix these push dose pressers and you just, you know, put your hand up and you concentrate and you don't talk to anybody. That's what I do. Um, And then obviously I put a label. I actually write my label first before I even um, attempt to make 
the mixture uh, for the concentration. And then that way it's ready to go. And I just place the label on the syringe or on the bag if you're using the phenylephrine or you're, you know, then further pulling it into a syringe. So the worst case scenario, you know, you can always lock yourself in the medication room, mix it in there, and then come out with the correctly mixed concentration of your push dose presser of choice, depending on the situation. It's in a syringe, it's labeled, and you can walk out with a smile. <laughs> so just some additional tips on mixing um, or preparing the medications. So labeling, um, this sounds silly, but when you label your push dose presser, you you have, let's say you have a 10 milliliter syringe and you have those milliliter markings, you do not want to cover those milliliter markings. You want to keep that exposed because that way when you're giving these push dose pressers, or even if you're giving your intubation medications like rocuronium or atomidate, you may not give the entire dose. So so the main thing is you want to always label your syringes so that you have the markings, the milliliter markings and the half milliliter markings exposed. That way you know how much you're giving because otherwise if that entire syringe is covered with the label, there's no way you can accurately dose your patients um, because you just don't have those markings. So those markings are important. If you need to take your trauma shears and cut that label in half so that you know you can have uh, the proper size label on the syringe so you can see those milliliter markings. So the other question that came up was, why am I using the cardiac pre-filled syringes? Why don't I just use the little um, vials that are the one to 10,000 uh, doses for epinephrine? And the reason why I use the pre-filled cardiac syringes is because it's one less thing that I have to think about. So epinephrine is, like I said, is very prone to error. And if you have your one to 1,000, which generally you pull for your anaphylaxis IM injection, um, and then you have the same, it looks like the same vial, but it's one to 10,000, and that's your cardiac arrest dose, and that's to give IV for a pulseless patient, uh, if you use the whole thing, it's very confusing. Um, the other thing too is if you use that vial for the one to 10,000 for the cardiac arrest dose, it's usually only one milliliters in that uh, vial. So the concentration is a little bit, um, it's actually hard to do the concentration. Uh, you'd have to do additional math uh, to get to the correct concentration dose of uh, epinephrine for a push dose presser. So I use the cardiac pre-filled syringe because first off, I know that there's always 10 mLs in there and that the concentration is one to 10,000. And then I can just pull the one mL from there and I don't have to think about it too much because I'm already, you know, I'm already triple checking my math. And that's like one less thing that I have to you know, really worry about because you know that that's what's in there. And, you know, in the time when things are chaotic, your patient is crashing and you feel hopeless, there's nothing you can do and their blood pressure is tanking, tanking, tanking. The last thing you want is for them to arrest on you. And this may be a last resort. So, um, you know, there's a lot going on in your head. And the last thing you want to do is make a medication error. So I just grabbed the cardiac pre-filled syringe um, you know, and, and for me that way, I know that this is the correct dosing. 
Um, something else is you're just going to want to maintain sterility as much as possible because remember, even when you're, this is basic nursing 101, um, but you were, you really want to maintain sterility as much as possible because remember all these medications, they're going into the bloodstream. Um, eventually your patient will probably have a central line and they're going to go in there and you just don't want to like create or introduce more problems for these patients. Um, just as a side note, um, when you're using normal saline bags and flushes, um, just like how I would never mix medication in a NS bag that has already been opened, um, I would never uh, use a NS flush that I didn't open the individual bag from as well. And it, I don't know how the um, NS flushes are outside of um, the United States, but uh, on the most part here, uh, each normal saline flush syringe is individually wrapped. The ones that I have used are sterile, so you can actually you know, open them and use them, drop them in a sterile field, and um, you can use that in, uh, for central lines and stuff like that. And so... If you don't have the individually wrapped um, NS flush, then I don't really know how to comment on that one. But I personally always use flushes on people that I unwrap myself. And that goes the same for even my NS bolus. Like if I do a NS bolus of 1,000 mLs, um, I personally open every single one of them. And the 50 mL, if I'm mixing 100 mL, doesn't matter. I always open a brand new bag. Uh, I just don't know, you know, sometimes people forget and, you know, I, I, it's just one of those things that I do as a safeguard. Um, somebody also responded and wanted to know, you know, is it possible, um, what if I have an ED pharmacist um, and, you know, have them come down to prepare to push those presser? So my response to that is that would be amazing. Um, however, I haven't found that to be very helpful in the clinical setting. And, and and the reason why is is because by the time the pharmacist comes down, you know, you contact them, they come down and they do it. Um, about like 20 minutes has passed and the usefulness of the push those presser has already sailed. That ship has sailed. Um, so by the 20, 30 minute mark, you have already titrated your vasopressor drip. Um, you might have already had a central line in and that that time that you needed to use the push those presser might have already um, sailed. <laughs> that ship has sailed. So so that's why I say to prepare it yourself because, um, you know, it's it's something that I'm comfortable with doing um, and, and I can just quickly do it in a couple of minutes and hand it off to the provider. And, you know, I always tell them what the dosage, the push dose presser concentration is. So like each ML will be, you know, whatever. Uh, I'm not, uh, I'm not going to go over it again, but um, you just have to say what concentration it is per ML. So if I had to choose between a continuous drip and a push dose presser, I would choose the drip. 
And I would just titrate it to a fact because remember that is continuous. The push dose presser is just you know it only lasts for a few minutes and it's just to get you by.、Um, at max, it's like you know ten minutes, fifteen minutes, maybe twenty minutes if you gave like a significant dose and maybe that patient's you know a geriatric patient with a lot of the metabolism is a little bit different. But、um, you know you may you may just start a continuous drip instead and. Um, and you just started at a higher dose, right?、Um, because it's essentially the same thing. And then you may have, to, you may just eliminate the use of a push dose presser altogether. So another question came up by a listener、um, as to whether we can have pre-filled epinephrine push dose presser syringes prepared and stocked in the medication room. So、um, currently, I. Don't think that that is possible because there's an issue for stability.、Um, so if you have if epinephrine is already pre mixed in that、um, concentration as a push dose presser, the stability、um, is is not quite there. So there may be some certain agents, but I think that's in the works.、Um, but it's. Currently, right now, you can't.、Uh, it's not stable to have an epinephrine push dose presser、um, pre-filled and ready in a syringe. You can, however, have phenylephrine be prepared by your pharmacist, pre-mixed and pre-filled in a syringe、um, and stored in your medication room, but just not epinephrine. Now, I already kind of talked about it a little bit, but. The second thing I want to talk about is that push dose pressers are are there, like I said, just to buy you a little bit of time,、um, but it's not going to be used to replace your standard therapy. Which and in the end of the, at the end of the day, it will be vasopressor drips. So push dose pressers, you know, they're like I said, they're. They're really meant to buy you time,、um, and oftentimes it's because you're trying to intubate a patient or you're trying to put a central line, and their their blood pressures are just tanking. Their maps are you know looking like crap. They look like they're going down the toilet. So the problem is is that these patients with these really bad maps and their pressures are just going you know down 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 down.、Um, They might code on you, so that's why we're using a push dose presser. So the question ends up being like, how often、uh, am I really using these push dose pressers? And to be truthful, I'm not using the push dose pressers on a daily basis.、Um, I'm just using them when it when the situation warrants it. So, for example, I have a really really bad hypotensive patient. Map is you know like I said crappy. It's it's bad. Like maybe forty five, and the central line is in process. I have like really really good、um, you know some PIVs peripheral IVs, and what I would do initially,、um, if let's say the map wasn't forty five and the map was fifty five,、um, I. You know, it takes me about a few minutes, maybe like five to eight minutes,、um, depending on whether I have to mix the norepi drip myself or not.、Um, but I can get a norepi drip infusing in a peripheral IV line to start pretty quickly.、Um, I know I'm going to get backlash on this, but I do start my norepi drip peripherally, and I make sure that I have flushed that line twice. 
And I check to make sure that there's no infiltration or extravasation um, scene. And if if it's good and there's like really clear indication that it's a good peripheral IV line, I'm going to use that IV line for a norepi drip to start. Um, and then within like 20, 30 minutes, the central line is placed. Um, we get, you know, good confirmation and I switch the drip over to the central line. You will never see me standing over the patient and using a push dose presser in lieu of a vasopressor drip. Um, it's just, there's no sense in that. Uh, what you will see me do is uh, maybe the norepi drip is infusing and, um, you know, either one or two things. Um, I'm already maxed out on my norepi drip and the central line still hasn't been placed yet. Um, or, you know, there's some, something else is going on and you're just worried because now your map is tanking to forties. Um, and then yes, I will be giving a little bit of a push dose presser to carry this patient through, but it's still not a replacement because I know this patient either, depending on the situation may need an epinephrine drip or may need a vasopressin drip. Um, but in, um, in Gonzo General Hospital, sometimes it takes a little bit longer to prepare those drips, um, but norepi drip is something that everyone's pretty familiar with and is really easy to get started. So um, push those pressers are really just meant as an adjunct tool. It's just another thing that you have in your tool belt and you use it as needed, um, but it's definitely not a replacement therapy. Finally, I want to just talk about communication on how to order a push dose presser. So physicians who are listening to this podcast, um, I think that there's there's something to be said about how you uh, may ask a nurse for a push dose presser. So, so if you say, I just want, you know, epinephrine and I want one ml of epinephrine, that doesn't mean anything because epinephrine comes in so many different concentrations. So we've all heard of these, you know, closed loop communication. And it sounds really silly, but it really works in these stressful situations, right? So so the best thing, you, you know, as a provider, you may want to say, okay, I want an epinephrine push dose presser concentration mix. And that is 10 microgram per ml for the concentration. So, and you may want to further say, I do not want the cardiac arrest dose. And then the nurse, you know, you should say, okay, I'm going to prepare an epinephrine push dose pressure concentration. And that concentration is 10 microgram per milliliter. And what ends up not being clear is when a provider orders uh, a push dose presser by the volume. You should never ask like, oh, I want one ml of epinephrine um, or I want one ml of phenylephrine. It doesn't make any sense. And nurses, if your providers are asking you that, don't even mix anything. You should immediately ask, you know, one ml of what? Um, you know, you want... <laughs> Um, epinephrine cardiac arrestos, you want one ml of, um, you know, like epinephrine one to 1000 and anaphylaxis dose. I mean, it's so, it's so arbitrary. So you should just, 
immediately ask, you know, what kind of concentration do you want? And then have the provider repeat what it is that they want before moving on. And, you know, don't waste your time um, uh, preparing something if you don't know what it is that they actually want. And uh, providers who are out there, if you forget um, you know, sometimes I, I feel that, you know, it's a stressful situation and you forget what the actual concentration is. That's okay. So um, maybe maybe we should start saying, like, I want to push those presser concentration, not the cardiac arrest dose. And hopefully this is like a like a little uh, like a light bulb goes off and everyone knows that it's not the cardiac arrest dose and that the push dose concentration needs to be further diluted and then, you know, properly mixed and labeled and then the syringe gets handed off. So just as a quick reminder, epinephrine can be used in so many ways and there are so many different concentrations. So that's why it's so prone to errors. Um, Epinephrine is used like an aerosol delivery for asthma. Uh, We do IM or IV doses for anaphylaxis. And that alone has um, lots of uh, documented medication errors. So, and then you're also using epinephrine for your cardiac arrest. Um, And then there's drips. And even the drips themselves have different concentrations. Um, And you should always run a drip through a pump. Um, I do not endorse the dirty epi drip. Um, and then now we have to push those presser as well. So once you and your teammates, um, your you know everyone on your team, you're more well versed and utilizing the push those pressers and communicating it um, between uh, doctors, nurses, PAs, you know whoever, um, it ends up getting a lot easier. So if you're going to start using push those pressers in your facility, if you haven't used it already, everyone should be trained as a multidisciplinary approach and everyone should understand, you know, what it means, you know, what does it mean if, if a doctor or a provider asks, hey, I want, you know, epinephrine push those presser, um, you know, what does that entail? And nurses should definitely be trained on how to mix it and feel free and nurses should also feel free to uh, ask the doctors and providers uh, to clarify um, because uh, sometimes, you know, maybe you even uh, maybe you've already prepared it. And and then you should you shouldn't just start giving the medication because the patient situation might have changed. Um, so you should always ask, you know, like, do we still want to use this epinephrine push dose presser, for example? Um, you know, because maybe initially you wanted like, um you wanted a uh, 20 microgram push, but the patient's um, blood pressure has improved a little bit with the norepi drip that's already running. Um, so now, you know, maybe you're just going to hold off. Um, and then let's say the blood pressure tanks again. Uh, and then maybe you just need five mics, um, which is um, 0.5 mLs of the epinephrine push dose. And then that's all that patient needed to um, to, you know, bridge over. And then you have like another, um, vasopressor drip that's running at this point. Um, yeah, so I think, I think it's going to be important that, uh, all providers, all healthcare providers are trained in an interdisciplinary approach and, you know, and that we all are speaking the same language because then it becomes a lot easier. So the three main take home points I really wanted to drive home was, you know, to just 
take your time and make sure that you mix the correct concentration for these push dose pressors and to label them properly. Um, it, there's nothing worse than to not label anything. Um, it's Things are always chaotic in these situations and all these medications really should be labeled. You should never use push dose pressors in lieu of your standard therapy um, for these patients. Um, the goal generally is to have those drips running. Um, and then finally, communicate properly. If, if you're unsure about something, just ask. And even before giving the push dose presser um, dosage, even though it was already confirmed, you may have to ask again because by the time you mixed it, um, and you're at the bedside, the situation for that patient may have changed. And, you know, be active and be be aware of what's going on with the patient and communicate that with your provider. Uh, so hopefully you've enjoyed listening to the Push Dose Presser Safety Dance. Um, and I hope that you find this useful. Um, feel free to uh, give any comments on the show notes at recessnurse.com. Um, I'll be happy to hear what you have to say and, and I will respond as soon as I can. I love it when people are commenting on recessnurse.com because then we can all learn from each other. So thank you so much for listening and I will have another episode next week. All right. Peace. You've just listened to an episode of the Recess Nurse Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Yunsi Dursa. Check out the website, recessnurse.com, for show notes, a place to leave your comments, and start a conversation. You can also follow me on iTunes, Twitter, and Facebook. 